Hey, what's going on, everyone? Kyle here, the You Know I Got So In Stereo podcast is back. Tom is away, but look who we found. We found Ed Bowser. Yes, after a, like, three-week, four-week hiatus, I've been chilling for a minute. Rumor has it you were in Las Vegas catching the Keith Sweat show, watching it <laughs> over and over again, but Play, I, I don't know. Was that true? I wish. I wish I was there. I would have on my worst-looking um, faded white blazer and be there getting my lounge lizard on. Play, I will make that happen. Uh, you know what's funny? Every time I think I've mentioned this before, but I, I go on all these blogs who like name the top ten most overrated singers or singers that can't sing, and Keith Sweat always seems to be on that list. Why, Ed? First of all, it's because there is no respect for R and B's history, tradition, or the Trailblazers. That's why. Number one. Number two. I don't want to see anybody with a raggedy list talking about who can't sing, and yet on another piece. On the next article, they're talking about how great the latest Rihanna single is. Man, please move. <laughs> you know what's crazy, though? I think um, Music Soul Child's always on that list, too, and he's another one that we love. Uh, music, I know, it, shout out to Music, because he does have great albums, and he has a decent discography, but sometimes those notes can be a little bit suspect. I can say this because Tom is off. If I was here, Tom was here, he'd be like, Cutting my mic off. Well, you know what? I'm going to actually... I found the list. Can we go through the list really quick? We can go through the list if you want to rile me up. <laughs> okay, so I'm not going to give the uh, the publication any shout-out for this because it's pretty much slandering, but I want to go through this list. So at number 10, we have Toto, which I think you've mentioned before. Toto, they're not great singers. They just had banging beats. They are all about the beats. Toto, mm, Kima, Keisha, and Pam, y'all can barely ride the beat. But all you need is solid production in the, in the mid-90s, and they definitely had that. So, no, I don't want them singing it any national anthem for the Super Bowl. Absolutely not. Oh. Uh, number 9 was Music. We talked about him. Number 8 is Ralph. From New Edition. No, I don't know about that. And we discussed that. We might talk a little bit later about the any um, movie that aired on BET. Of the group, I never thought that they were very powerful singers anyway. But Ralph wasn't bad. He just wasn't fantastic. He just had right. that kind of that prepubescent nasally voice thing for pretty much his whole career even when he was a grown man but he Ralph is fine let the boy live we'll give him a pass at number seven is Alicia Keys and Alicia (laughs) come on now she's another one that y'all love to give a hard time she's fine I think people misunderstand what makes a good singer you don't have to belt and scream like Whitney to be classified as a good singer Alicia knows her range most of the time, and she does well with mm. that. So she's fine. I don't think she's terrible. Uh, in recent, I'm not going to lie, I've seen recent footage. It seems like she's pushing it a little past her range. And oh, it's, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, she's hit, it, But it's only been in recent years where I've kind of been like, eh, but she's fine for what she does. And I, th- I think it's also the type of song she's singing. Like, she keeps exaggerating on certain words, like no one, or or what was the other one, girl on fire. Like 
she exaggerates on certain words and it just makes her sound worse than she actually and is. And that's exactly when I started having my doubts about her. No one specifically. And honestly, when people talk about Beyonce too, she's another one that, and she's reined this in a lot in recent years, but she would go nuts on those runs and just like exaggerate stuff needlessly. It doesn't mean you can't sing. It means that your songs aren't structured well. And you got to kind of bring it in. We know yeah. you can hit, I mean, Mariah doesn't hit those glass breaking notes in the first note she saves it till later you build to the big stuff homie yep <laughs> um number six is mary j blige now let me t- uh, no let me tell you this because i'll <laughs> give them a pass on this one early mary j was not the best early early or i'm talking first album mary j but by the time we got to like the mary album she learned what she could do and she actually got pretty good so she used to be suspect, but I would not say that she can't sing. She has definitely evolved over the years because those first songs no, she has. wasn't a lot of singing, not a lot of harmony going on, though. No, but it, it was great production. Of so. course, that's what it goes back to. So there you go. Number five is my girl, A. Marie. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> you Damn. know, anybody who knows me. Knows and visits Soul and Stereo. Knows how I'm a huge Amory stan. But sometimes those vocals can be a little paper thin. But again, most of the time, as long as she has some decent production, she's alright. When she starts reaching for those high notes is when stuff starts struggling. Yep. At number four, we have Slim from 112. I... Um, I disagree. Now, with come that. on, I disagree with Slim. <laughs> Slim may have a nasally tone, but I wouldn't say he can't sing. Again, people just have a perception in their mind of what a good singer is, and just because you don't fit that, doesn't mean you can't sing. No, Slim is fine. He's fine. Plus, he's he's actually the sound of One Twelve anyway. He so. is. When you think of a One Twelve song, you don't think of Q. You think of Slim. Like his voice is the first thing that pops in your head. Mm-hmm. Number three, Carl Thomas. They t- put Carl in the same basket as Alicia. Carl can sing fine. Again, sometimes he gets a little suspect. Those vo- those vocals get a little flat, but he can sing. I want to see who wrote this list. I want to hear what they sing. Let me hear your vocals. Because I guarantee you exactly. Carl, ba- Carl Thomas killing you, homie. Mm-hmm. Number two, your boy Keith. We've talked about him already. We do you want to do, do you want to give him a little more on why Keith can sing? I'm not even going to acknowledge. I think he can, I, <laughs> I'm not even acknowledging it, player, because I am not going to discredit the good name of King Keith. He didn't gave y'all hits, and now you up there. Don't wait till he's gone until you give him his flowers, because he'll be gone, and you'll be talking about how great his albums were. And I was like, I told you in 2017. Get that man props and stop hating. Mm-hmm. And number one, Ed, are you ready? I'm ready. You got me heated, player. John Legend. John Legend? Again, add him to the same category as Alicia and Carl Thomas. Sometimes there have been yep. some suspect performances, but he is mostly fine. I don't see the problem. Why is he the worst non-singer? Where is Rihanna on this list? Where is your boy? What's his name? Where's Trap Soul guy? Bryson Tiller. Where are these people on your list? 
Now those no idea. You know, <laughs> you know what though? Like I agree with you, John Legend. He can sing. I, you know, he's fine. His music has always been the biggest problem with me, but his his, his singing is fine. But what um what have been your kind of your beef with his music? It just, it, I I can't think of an album that I think has been great by him for for all the. For all the accolades that he gets and all the praise, I've never really been sold on him as an artist. His first album is cool. I mean, some people dub it as a classic. Absolutely I think we've not. talked about it. I, I, I'm with you. I, I disagree. It's not a classic. His second one, I think Tom really loves that album. I don't really remember that album. There's a reason so maybe why I need to give you that don't. One. Maybe I need to give that one another listen. Not His really. third album, Evolver, that's, that was all right. Now, that's the album that I really like. I really like that album. I yeah. think it fit his tone well. Sure. Um, his last album, what was it called? The one with, uh, uh, let me find out the title of this. What, The Darkness Into Light? In the Not that one. It was the one before that. Um, uh, Love in the Future. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, I did like some of it. It was fine. His that albums was... always suffer from the same thing, though. Like, they they tend to be too long. And they just drift yep. into like these boring, monotonous, monotone performances. And even albums no, he... like his most recent one that weren't that long, you just start tuning out by track eight because he's just droning you to sleep. No, a hundred percent. Like I was gonna say, loving the future. The reason why I listened to a lot of that is because it did have a lot of different production. It had that one song with Rick Ross, which sounded like. A classic Kanye type of song. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I don't know. Shouts to John Legend. I know. I know he's going on tour soon with Gallant. That's a good tour for all the R and B vocalist lovers out there. Yes. Yeah, so now we've talked. If I see a Gallant on the list about dudes who can't sing, I'm gonna find the writer and rip their fingers off because. Oh no, Gallant. Can, Gallant can definitely sing. The boy is the truth. And I need y'all to find something else to do besides putting out these pitiful thing pieces. Because, good lord, y'all need something else going on. Yep. So, Ed, aside from these singers, you know, we've talked about these 90s singers, 2000s singers. I've seen some comments on YouTube. I've seen some comments on YouTube that's telling us that we don't give enough love to some of the other 90s R&B acts. During that time period. Um, like who? H-Town. Like H-Town, let's say, for example. Well, where does Dino rank in, in the top vocalist of all time? I would not put... <laughs> now listen, before the H-Town stands get to tear me up, you know, shout out to H-Town. We miss Dino. I do think Dino is an artist who, if he had, you know, stayed with us, he probably would have had a decent solo run. But I don't think that their contributions are all that overlooked. Like, they had a couple of really big songs. They had a couple of albums that were just okay. And that's about it. Like, they were solid artists in an era of very, 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 very stiff competition and classic songs. If H-Town dropped in 2017, we'd be proclaiming them the greatest of their generation. But when you're stuck in between the... Boys to Men's and Jodeci's and even with the 112's and Jagged Edges, it's just hard to keep up. And that's no slight to them or their worth. They're great. 
But when you're great surrounded by that much greatness, you kind of get a little overshadowed. So there's love no, for H-Town, but we're not hyping them up as the greatest because they want the greatest. No, 100%. I feel like, let's face it, there were so many R&B groups in the 90s. So many. Like, There's only so much we can talk about. Like, Intro was another one yeah. who I know a lot of the fans love as well. It's like, they're great. I will and, say with you know, Intro, uh, though, their album is one that is, like, very underrated. If you go back and listen to that, that thing went hard. But again, I think that their run was so short, it's unfair to kind of christen them one of the best ever. Yep. Exactly. Shouts to intro though. Shouts to H Town after seven. As yet, who else am I missing here? <laughs> the Whitehead Brothers. The Whitehead. <laughs> Apparently, uh, some fans some... of the podcast were um, big Whitehead Brothers and wanted us to give them some love. And shout out to them because I'm sure that those fans and me are the only ones that remember them, brothers. Your love is a one eighty seven. I forgot y'all, though. Well, we can also give a shout-out to All For One. Let's not forget about them. Uh, I did until you just said something. <laughs> but yeah, shout-out to All For One. Oh, boy. <laughs> Look, Tom oh, isn't here. There's no one to rein me in. My fault. No, there isn't. But let's get into some current news right now. Ed, when we talk about singers who can't sing... And this is what people tell me. I'm not... This is not coming from me, nor is it coming from you. But people say Keisha Cole can't sing. But before we get into that, Keisha Cole apparently, or apparently not, there's been conflicting reports on it, but she might be joining Love and Hip Hop Hollywood, which well, I know is one of your favorite pastimes. Um, There are lots of trash TV that I watch. I watch The Bad Girls Club. I watch Maury and The Baby Mamas. I cannot watch... Loving hip hop because I cannot see grown people acting like eighteen year olds. It drives me insane. It hurts my soul to see grown people acting that dumb. But if she wants to get up there and get her money to sell her records, go ahead, lady. And I don't get the Keisha can't sing either. That's she oversings sometimes, but to say she can't sing is pretty terrible. My lord, who can sing according to these people? I think it stems from the the love song. Oh, it definitely stems from that. the love song. Good lord! <laughs> now you talk about an overrated track. Ugh, ear splitting. I mean, I remember because uh, I actually well, I like that song. Matter of fact, that's probably one of my favorite Keisha's Keisha's uh, songs. But I remember on forums when you know people would complain about that part, and I remember a comment. Someone saying, "No, that's just a, that's just a, a special technique that Keisha uses. It's it's actually skillful." I'm like, "There's nothing skillful about that." That player, I can do fine. What's skillful about that? No, it's over song. <laughs> Chill. And I and get I like I I did like that song until radio played it into the dirt. But again, you can recognize that a singer can sing and have quirks. She sang a song badly a couple of times. It doesn't mean she can't sing. Mm-hmm. But she did put out a new single recently with Remy Ma and your boy French Montana. Um, what did you think of that song? I thought it was pretty decent. You know, I'm a big Remy Ma fan, so anytime I hear Remy on something, I get hyped. But I thought it was solid. It Definitely was, when I saw the roster of artists on this, I expected 
even though French Montana, for some reason, keeps finding work. I don't know what, why. But I expected, like, a pretty decent radio song. And it was okay. I felt like it had been a little stronger. But it's got me intrigued enough to see where the direction of her next project goes. Yeah, I'm with you because the last couple of Keisha albums... Well, you know what? I'm, I lied. So let, let's put it like this. Her first two albums, I think, are great. Listen, her first Great two albums. albums are fantastic, and her second album specifically, I might, I don't know if, I don't think I reviewed that one, but that one's probably bordering on four and a half. Like, I love that second album. Wow. That album was great. I do remember really liking that one as well. Her her first one was, was good as well. Her third one, a different me. I know Tom liked that album. Um, that one I have to good. actually go back and re-listen. It was a little, it was a little weird, but... I gotta go back and re-listen to that one. What was after that? Um, Calling All Hearts. That was kind of mediocre. I I, I don't know. I think I liked that one okay, although I don't really remember much about it. I remember really disliking A Different Me. I thought it was a huge drop-off, and I thought Calling All Hearts had a couple. I I think she had like a song with Tank on it. I remember liking it, but then again, I can't remember a thing about it. Now, Woman to Woman... Now that album I liked. No, that was a good album. Yes, that was very that good. That was That was, you know what? I felt like that album had so much potential to do much more than what it did. It kind of just died off after Trust and Believe, but I think there were a couple more songs that could have came out. Oh, it had definitely had some more traction. Um, what was that name of that song? It's like Hey Sexy or something like that. That song was yep, a yep. radio banger. And it just didn't yep. get the traction that it deserved. I thought that was the album that was going to get her back on track, but just Peter. I out, thought so too. And no one, no pun intended. But then we had Point of No Return, which <laughs> I don't know how you return from that album because that was bad. It was, but I remember a lot of um, Soul and Serial readers were confused by that one because I gave it like a three, which you know is just pretty average to mediocre. But it had a lot of right. singles on it that I actually liked. So there were three or four songs that that year that I submitted for our, um, you know, our top 100 songs of, I can't remember what year that was. It was 2015 or 14. But there were some decent songs on it. But as an overall project, it was just so lacking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You like that uh, that stupid Rick James song. Yes, I love the Rick James song. <laughs> Oh, that was fantastic, Blake. Sometimes you need a little bit you know, of... Even I can get a little ratchet sometimes. I mean, I think we all can. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's crazy, though? I just found out the other day when we were posting the new Keisha Cole song that she blocked us on Twitter. So I don't even know why we're talking about her. I don't know why we're giving her any publicity. If she's got beef with my people, then I got beef with her. Keisha, what's your problem is? Like, why, what would... Like, I don't, what did you guys I don't even do? remember us... <laughs> And that's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't know if Tom at 2 a.m. just subliminally dissed her while she while he was drunk, but I don't remember us doing anything crazy to Keisha. We love Keisha. Tom, listen, Tom gets to sipping on stuff and eating his bland chicken with no seasoning and just bread sandwiches, and he just gets crazy over there. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. But, um, yeah, what do you expect from Keisha on this album? Because... I've read interviews where she said for the last couple of albums, you know, she's gone through a divorce. She's been through all that. 
she hasn't been able to be herself and focus on the music. Do you believe she's going to get back to the music and bring us that heat? Or do you think this is another, you know, PR statement? Of course, it's another PR statement, no question. But as sad as it sounds, and I was just talking to one of my friends about this last week, um, because she was looking forward to the new Mary J album, and you know that pain brings good music. So everybody's excited for Mary J's new album because we're all miserable and she's divorced now. So we're going to get that my life kind of hatred and anger and frustration to produce good music. So in Keisha's sense, this could be a chance to give us some frustration and kind of have some good music and experience birth from that. But she has to be willing to put in that work. And unfortunately, Keisha has been pretty inconsistent over the years. If she can recapture that woman-to-woman magic, we could. Mm-hmm. Now, let's take a break, break from R&B right now and talk about that reel. So I know you're a huge fan of that new 21 Savage, Metro Boomin' and Future song, X-Bitch. Look, player, you about to sm- swallow this microphone <laughs> if you're talking about 21 Savage. Oh, man. But um, speaking of trap music, uh, Tom and I were talking last week. I'm actually going to be interviewing the group today, 112. Uh, They're in the studio putting together a new album, which made sense since they went on that tour with Diddy. Right. But, Ed, I checked out one of their Instagram clips. I think you were asking whether we were going to get that trap mess or whether we were going to get that reel. Yes. We're getting that trap mess. Oh, no. (laughs) Listen, I am just so uh, just a sidebar, right quick, because you know we here we here we're talking about R and B. I just reviewed on SoulAndStereo.com. If you're a fan of Lupe Fiasco, largely considered back ten years ago to be one of R and I mean hip hop's next big stars, super lyrical, super intelligent, just everything that you want in an MC. He had the package. Ten years later, he's putting out a trap album. Like, where have we fallen Jeez. where everyone has to put out a trap album? My, my musical hero, my muse, Missy Elliott, her, her latest single, what is it? A trap song. And everybody's I'm better. It. Yes, I'm better. She ain't better. It is Yikes. so frustrating. Now, you know if I got to bring work to Missy, the times have gone really astray. I understand hard, man. it's hard, but I understand. I understand that in order to sell records, you have to play to current trends. That's cool. That's how music has always been. That's why there have, there were a thousand New Jack swing clones. That's why everybody sounded like Jodeci in the mid-90s. You kind of change with the times. That's why everybody was auto-tuned. But I need these veteran artists. If you want to use a trap beat, cool. But don't sacrifice your vocals, and don't sacrifice your content, and don't sacrifice your fans just to appeal to new fans who probably not going to be feeling you anyway because they see you as an old person. Well, the problem is, you know, I was looking at some of the comments for that Missy Elliott song that came out, and the problem is the youth, they encourage this garbage. So I remember in the comments, one of them said, uh, oh, they should take out Lamb from the chorus and put the Meagles on there. See? Like, like we need enough, we have enough Migos songs on the radio. And what did Lamb do that Migos doesn't do? Like, he did what they do. Like, even yep. if he repeated the same, if Migos repeated what he said, that wouldn't have made the chorus better. It was just a horrible chorus. 
And honestly, to the crew misses credit, she adapted her sound to a trap sound probably better than most people. So props for that, and the video was great. But I just cannot stand artists that are just following. Like we, Missy's a leader. Every time Missy comes out, she changes the game with every new single. Like just think of um, where that from. Like that song, out of nowhere, yep. sounded nothing like it. And to this day, still, there's nothing that sounds like. So you're going to do something and sound like everybody else? That's not, that's not the Missy that we know. That's not the 112 that I want to hear. It's not the Lupe I want to hear. If I want to hear Migos, I will listen to Migos. And I won't listen to Migos ever in life. And, and, the, funny, and the funny thing is when these artists try to do that stuff, it never works. It rarely it, works. It never works because if... You abandon your core base. Your core fans don't want to hear Migos. And Migos fans want to hear Migos. So they don't want to hear someone being someone else. And your core fans don't want to hear someone else. They want to hear you. Hmm. So aside from that, you know, you see all these artists jumping on bandwagon and trends. You've got one artist by the name of Trey Songs. He's going in the opposite direction. No, Ed, he's not doing love and hip hop, but I think he's partnering up with VH1 for a for a uh, TV show where he finds his future girlfriend or something. Oh it's called Trigger's. I'm not even kidding. Hold on, if I could find the article, I will gladly share it with you. Oh, but, I believe yeah, you. I've seen it. I've seen it. My Twitter is excited for Lord knows what reason. Now I will say that back in I guess it was like 2007 or so. When did we get the Flavor of Love shows? Because those were deliciously yeah, awesome. Yeah. They were terrible. No question about it. But they yep. were entertaining. Yep. But, again, yep. we didn't really take them that seriously. And I don't really want to see... I want to see Trey Songz put out a halfway decent album. Not a lazy mixtape or pretend to, like, sleep around with stripper ladies. Like, it's... Can the musicians get back to the music? Is it really that hard? <laughs> I mean, I guess it is. Um, so yeah, the TV show is called Tremaine the Playboy. Oh. It's a dating web series. Um, I think he's going to probably incorporate his new music in the, into this TV show. So I guess that's what he's trying to aim for. But it's just sad. <laughs> it's so sad. And as much I give Trey, uh, I've given him a hard time in the past, but he has had some great material. I contend that Ready is a great album. His debut was really yep. solid. He has given us some decent stuff. We don't need the gimmicks and tricks, man. Just get back to what you used to do. It's interesting, too, as I think about it. Like, Trey is an artist who has never really crossed over to pop. He's sort of have had his stay in R&B, and he's done well for himself. When you compare him to a 90s artist, who 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 is that? Hmm, that's actually a good question. I'm not sure if there is a 90s artist who has had that level where it's... I, I don't want to say... Because the first mind thing that pops to mind is Drew Hill, and I'm not directly comparing them, but what I'm saying is that... Yep. They were R&B staples that really rose, didn't really get pop recognition so much, but they rose really high on R&B charts, got respectable pop play sometimes on um, top 40 stations, 
but they were still strictly R&B. They never put out a pop song unlike what like a Boyz II Men did. And Trey was kind of right. like the 2000s version of that because his um, you know, his contemporary Chris Brown, he went pop all the time. But he kind of stayed in that R&B-ish and he even drifted over into hip hop many times. So it's kind of yeah. He's kind of like an anomaly. I can't really think of anyone who has had that path, but Drew Hill, there are some similarities there. Fair enough. So, Ed, I want to go into this Mariah Carey ranking that you did on your website of her best albums from from worst to best. Now, you know I'm a huge Mariah fan, so I have things to say about this, but you know what? I'll give you some props. This was actually pretty spot on, I will say. Well, on everything I do, isn't it always spot on? I would think so. Yep. <laughs> if you disagree, you're probably wrong, but yes, I would agree. Pretty spot on, player. <laughs> okay, so I want to quickly go through this from 12 to 1. Yep. Well, first of all, what did you think of the new Mariah song with YG, your boy? I was kind of worried, and I, actually I'm glad you brought that up, because I think this is a good example of a song that takes current trends, but doesn't completely sacrifice the artist's credibility. Because it's definitely a song that sounds like, you know, a Bryson Tiller song, or a, anything that a kind of R&B artist would come out with on urban radio. But she is still singing like Mariah. She's still actually singing. Her, the, it's well-written. It's a well-written song. The video is pretty strong, too. So, and YG, who isn't my favorite, actually doesn't sound too horrible on this song. So, it's a way for an established <laughs> artist to sound a little bit more mainstream without her sounding exactly like a Migos clone. So, it's an okay song. Yeah. Again, it's not really my deal, but it's not bad. And it's one they definitely could grow on. So, props to Mariah. See, Mariah's doing it, right? Why isn't anybody else doing it? Right. You know what's crazy, though? I I was reading comments. You know, I I like to read what the people say. And they were telling me, although the drums, it's it's the Bryson Tiller sound, Mm -hmm. people were complaining that it it was still too musical. There were too many pianos and different sounds on there. They're like, it's too busy. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry if you're going to have some instruments on the beat. It just can't be an 808. Player, you can't save that Casio stuff for your little cousin who makes beats in the garage. Like it's a Mariah is a top shelf artist, one of the greatest artists of all time. If she wants to have a little bit more instrumentation into her music, that's her prerogative, and she's right to do that. Her stuff doesn't sound as empty and soulless as this usual stuff y'all are used to. It just shows that. <laughs> That stuff that those artists are putting out is really hurting the ears. So when young fans hear stuff that actually has a lot of music and instrumentation in it, it's offsetting because they're used to just stuff sounding so hollow. That's hurting music more than anything. Yep. Now, let's go through this Mariah list really quickly. Um, So at number 12, we have Glitter. Which, you know, it, I, I don't think anyone would put that at the top of their list as the best album. It had some pretty solid songs on there. Yeah, I will say that when, in compiling this list, I went back and listened to just about every album. Especially albums like Glitter that I had intentionally not listened to in years. And there were actually some joints up here that I had forgotten about. The singles were a little too... Uh, like, I like the... There was the song, the Loverboy remix. The one with um, the Brad on it. Yeah. I like that. 
But then she had like the song of Eric Benet that I totally forgotten about, and she actually had some decent material there. Because really, even what I consider Mariah's worst album is still some well-sung songs. So it was better than I expected, but still not very great. Yep. So at number 11 was The Memoirs of an Imperfect Angel, which The Dream did most of it. I remember liking this album when it came out, but as I listen to it now, it hasn't really aged as well as I thought it would. No, and most people know I'm not the biggest fan of The Dream, and a lot of his cheesy poof fingerprints are all over this album. So, like, it's solid, and it did have some good songs, but again, it's not something I would revisit. I, I like Hate You a lot, and Angels Cry, and a couple others, so... I revisit those, but as a total body of work, uh-uh. Yep. <laughs> At number 10, we have her latest album, Me, I Am, and Mariah, The Elusive Chanteuse. I thought that was a, that was a solid album. Of, I'm with you. It's, it's nowhere near her best, but it, it was all right. It's weird. It. Online, when I um, floated this idea for this post, and I was kind of asking my followers, hey, what are your favorite Mariah albums? A lot of people said that this was their favorite Mariah album. I'm like, have you heard the other albums? It's not an mm. affront or anything, but favorite? No. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with timing too. You got to remember in 2014, like that was when Mariah was gone for a minute, and 2014 was the time of Mike Will and DJ Mustard. So oh, yes. when you have someone that comes in and just brings you something that sounds classic, they're probably going to gravitate to it a little more. Well, that's true. And I think a lot of those um, fans who, and we'll talk about this a little later on with another album on the list. I think a lot of those younger fans, this was kind of, if it wasn't an introduction to Mariah, it was the one that they're most familiar with. So it's easy to latch on yep. to something because the first album you hear is always going to be near and dear to your heart in a way. So, I don't think it's as terrible as some people have said, but she's done much, much better. Fair. So, the next one we have is Charm Bracelet, um, which was supposed to be her comeback after her, you know, meltdown, and it kind of went and it kind of left. But some some decent songs on there. There's some decent songs. There's the female version of that Cameron song. (laughs) Yes, which I kind (laughs) of like in a crazy way. Yep. You know, on that album, I really liked the one with Freeway. I did, too. I really liked that song. This album was, again, not a bad release. Really, again, like I keep saying, that it's not really bad because it's hard to find a bad Mariah album. But I just felt like it was missing a standout. If it had, like, a big, big, big single, I think it would be remembered better. But instead, it's just like a whole bunch of, all right, like, oh, that's all right, that's all right, that's all right. So it kind of falls into the back of her catalog. But as an overall project, is, you know, I've heard worse. Mm-hmm. Following that, we have Rainbow at number eight. This is, I, I think you ranked this where it should be. I, like, I remember, like, I thought I would have liked this album more. But as I look at the track list, it just, it never added up. Like, there's a lot of great features on there. But as a a whole album, it it felt kind of unbalanced. Yeah, um, Rainbow is weird because it was coming off of such a great album that we'll get to later. That I felt like eh, the expectations were a little high and this one kind of underwhelmed. 
and it was extremely poppy. I remember getting the album in 99 and riding around in college because I'm old. And I remember <laughs> listening to it and being like, man, this is not the 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 evolution of Butterfly that I expected because it was just so poppy and mainstream. And it did very, very well. But it was a different sound. It had like pretty much everybody who was anybody at the time on the album. It was pretty decent, yep. but one that, again... Is okay in the long run. Just okay. Yep. Number seven, we have the E equals MC square. 2008. Yes. This is coming off. This is coming off. We belong together. She puts out a new album and it sounds exactly like we belong together. I want to get your thoughts on this because to me, this is Mariah's most underrated album. I really like this nope. album. And I think a lot of people have really kind of, pass it over in the past years but i really like it i look at this album as the same as when usher put out here i stand which i actually like as well it's you know the the criticism at the time was that it sounded too similar to the album that came out before that i personally like this album i think yeah and and i love this album like because yes a lot of it does sound like we belong together i think there's about like four songs on here that sound exactly like that (laughs) yeah i stay in love is one Last Kiss is another. Uh, Thanks for Nothing is another, if I remember. If, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that was on the album. So, very similar, but when you look at it as just a body of work, it's probably, I would say, one of Mariah's more consistent albums, just from top to bottom, and just how consistent the sound was. Um, you know what song I really liked on there was, uh, I mean, the single had T.I. on it, but uh, I'll Be Loving You Long Time. Oh, I love that song, yes. That and yeah, I that Stay sample. In Love, like, I, I love both of those. Yep. I'm not sure why this album didn't take off like I thought it would. I mean, you had Touch My Body, which, you know, it's a fun record, I guess. But there were a lot of other songs on there yep. that I really liked. So, number seven, which means we still have six more to go. I got to be honest with you, though, Ed, as much of a Mariah fan as I am, I haven't really listened to anything uh, before Music Box. So this is sort of like an education uh, class for me as well. Well, see, that's what I'm here for, to educate y'all. Put y'all on game. At number six, we have Emotions, the 1991 album. I I haven't had a chance to really listen to this album yet, so fill me on on this one. This one might be hard for kind of newer fans to grasp kind of out of context of when it was released. It's a really, really gospely sounding album, as Tom would say, very churchy. But <laughs> even though her ballads and stuff are very, like, you can really hear her gospel roots in it, it has some, of course, huge singles because Emotions was a huge one. And it's just really solid overall, just really, really solid ballads. If it's, it's a little ballad heavy, so if you aren't into that, you might be a little in. Eh. But I thought there were some great songs. It holds up today. And if you can get past some of the gospeliness of it, you're in for a treat. Hmm. So then we have the Mariah Carey album. This is the debut, I believe. Yep, this is it, 1990. What do we know about this one? Again, this one kind of falls into the vein of that previous album where it's something that out of context, like a fan who have, has only listened to Emancipation of Mimi and the Sean Toos album, if you listen to Mariah Carey, you might be like, I don't like this at all. 
But you can't mm. hate on its impact because, good lord, it sold 15 million. And Vision of Love, classic song, and then the the songs that didn't make radio, like Vanishing and All in Your Mind, All in Your Mind is off the chain. Like, if you are listening to the podcast and haven't heard that song, put All in, all in Your Mind in your YouTube and get your life right because that's a banger. It really showed what she could do. And it's weird that coming out of the gate that she had an album this strong. It's If I remember it being pretty short, so it's an album that's really easy to digest, but man, it's got some bangers on it. It's really underrated. Hmm. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that one. Number four is Music Box, which I think is the beginnings of Mariah really, um, really, really appreciating the R&B that was happening at the time. I know she had a record with Babyface on here. Mm-hmm. And, I, and honestly, this is an album that kind of, I recognize it's fantastic, but I don't really have a desire to hear it again because, good Lord, they play Hero to Death, and I'm still sick. That's one of those songs that, to this day, I cannot hear. Hero and Next Too Close. Shout out to RL. I know you're the homie, but... <laughs> Good Lord. Like, those songs were just played into the dirt, and I cannot hear them again. But as an overall project, Music Box is great, fantastic, yet another blockbuster seller. And I remember Anytime You Need a Friend, I think there was a video for that song. That was a song that, again, sounds a little churchy, Tom, but also still has enough energy to it where you don't feel like you're, like, held hostage while the church choir is singing to you. It's really, and the um, title track's great, too. Good, good release. So at number three, um, and I I think it's properly ranked, it's the Emancipation emancipation of Mimi, which in 2005, there was no way you could escape her singles. This album, I think, is cool, and I think you mentioned it on your blog. It was the one that introduced Mariah to a whole new generation of fans. Exactly, and it's the album, when I put out this album, when I, I think I tweeted out, hey, what's your favorite Mariah album we're going to be talking about on Soul and Stereo? The two albums that were named were Chanteuse and this one. Because this is the album that so many fans fell in love with and it opened the doors to a new generation of R&B fans. Because you got to remember the climate at the time. Like R&B was, it wasn't completely gone. And I guess a little of an exaggeration. But there was a drift away from R&B toward more hip-hop type stuff and more pop stuff so she cooked yep. that and brought it all the way back and just recaptured that sound and also it's something you can't forget good lord blaze after the glitter fiasco and charm bracelet was kind of just eh, eh, she came back so strong and so hard 15 years into her career with one of the greatest albums that she has ever done and probably one of the best albums of the past decade you cannot hate on how good this album is. Some people, I feel like, have slightly overrated it, but it's just so good. I can't hate. No, you can't. I mean, you're so right. In, I mean, a couple points that you made that are so true. Number one, yeah, like you got to remember, that was the time when you had the crunk era and the franchise boys yes. and all those guys. And here comes Mariah and just says, not right now, and just brings it all the way back. And you got to remember what came after this. It was a bunch of ballads, and I think this might be the last time it's happened, but a bunch of ballads were being played on pop from, you know, Leona Lewis even, uh, Rihanna's Take a Bow. Like, 
that was primarily all inspired by Mariah Carey. Yes. I mean, her influence over the years, of course, as we've already said, one of the greatest in pop and R&B. But to recapture that greatness 10, 15 years later is unheard of. Like, she stood atop the mountain 10 years ago. Most artists have that big moment and they come down. That's just kind of how career arcs work. But then she went back to the mountain again. That is insane. She really redefined the game and breathed new life in the R&B for at least a few more years. Yeah, I think Mary J was another artist that did that in 2005, 2006 with the breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Yep, she came through with the breakthrough yeah. and again kept the train rolling. And I've, I've, I feel like there's a post here that I need to do eventually. But I feel like 2006 was the last great year for both R&B and hip-hop. Like there was some fantastic right. stuff that year. Who do you think are some other artists that have just kind of like dis- – when that didn't disappear or fall off, but reclaimed their spot after struggling for some time? We have Mariah in 2005, mm-hmm. Mary in 2006, because the, one, the, the album really before that from Mary think... was – yeah. No, the album before that, was that the um... – that was Love and Life. Let's say Love and Life? Was that the one before that? Yeah. That was, again, yeah. one of her weaker releases. So for her to rebound that, she didn't have that huge of a gap as Mariah did. But she did. She was on the downswing. And she hopped back up. It's really hard. Yeah. I can't really think of anybody else who did that. Now, there have been some artists. Like, I remember Selena Johnson's most recent album, which is probably like a couple years yep. old now. Like, I remember that album being unbelievable and i said in my review that for an artist that long in her career to put out something better than pretty much everything that she's ever done that again is unheard of so every once in a while you'll get an artist who will just recapture some magic and just put out something fantastic we were talking about lupe fiasco not long ago in the rap world he did the same thing with the album before this recent disaster where he put out this album that was like, oh, this is as good as his debut album. This is crazy. So every once in a while they can recapture the magic, but it's very rare. You know what? I thought of one more person, and that's Monica in 2010. Still standing? Uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of Still Standing Player. That one was, I felt like a little too sleepy. It wasn't bad, but it was just a little, it was a little John Legendy, if you remember what we were talking about a little earlier. It started getting kind of monotonous. (laughs) But shout out to Monica because I loved her last album. Yep. Oh, I'm just talking commercially speaking because the makings of me, which I actually really like that album. I don't know why everyone hates it. I don't know either. I I love that album. I guess they associated with that Franchise Boy song, which fine, right? (laughs) Yeah, now that song wasn't the best. Because I remember when Still Standing came out, it was sort of like the return Music sounded very similar to the makings of me, to be honest. But hey, it convinced people that she had returned. So, right, crazy. But aside from that, I don't. And I guess Usher is the only is the other one. But it's not. It wasn't that much of a recovery from Here I Stand to Raymond versus Raymond, which I guess was his comeback. Musically speaking, it was sort of not his comeback. But. I was gonna say, um, I don't consider that his comeback. I know you're the salesman. You might remember how it did commercially, but I was not a fan of Raymond versus Raymond. Yeah, <laughs> I think Usher is still looking for himself right now. So, 
<laughs> Player, if he read my review of that last album, I'm sure he's looking for himself. That bust of himself is crumbling as we speak. Joy. <laughs> um, now, now let's get into the... Uh, is there any... Well, you know what? We got to talk about Bell Biv DeVoe and New Edition. Tom and I had briefly talked about it last week, but I think you'll have a better... Um, understanding of, of of the biopic as well as the album so let's start out with the biopic and what you, uh, how you thought that went wait a minute play we didn't finish oh you know actually yet. you know before we get it yeah i just realized that too i'm sorry you let's didn't give love to the first. two top mariah albums you know we have to leave them on a cliffhanger for the, for the next podcast <laughs> but <laughs> i can imagine there's probably a fan right now who was waiting on this countdown and then we just moved on to new edition and just throwing their hands up in the air like yes, wait a minute they- they have just smashed their computer and went like, I am disgusted because I need to know who Ed said is the best Mariah Carey album of all time. Yep. Now, as we look at this, first of all, so in stereo rating, there is not a five-star Mariah album, huh? No, there is not. There is not. I don't think Mariah has given us a five-star album. And I'm sure that my mentions are about to be on fire, but... I just don't give away that five-star designation to anybody. And her last two or her two best albums, I think, are very good 4.5s. And at, coming at number two, we have... And this is the album that I grew up on. This is the one that introduced me to Mariah. and that's Probably your Daydream. number one Shout, album. Shout-outs to my mom. She played this when I was, it was... It was this album, and it was the Secrets album by Tony Braxton. That was that the, was what I grew up on. Shout out to Kyle's mom for raising her baby right. Right. But I remember listening to this Daydream album and I still have so many fond memories of it just listening to it in the car, Melt Away, one of my favorite R and B oh, songs. Oh, off ever. the chain. So underrated player. Underrated. Tell me about it. But number two. So let's talk about why it's great, first of all, Ed. Why is it great? I mean, it's great because, first of all, let's get to the historical um, importance of this album. Everybody remembers the the, the remixes. You had Mariah and OBB doing the, the fantasy remix. And, you know, we're used today, the R&B singer kind of doing the tag team thing with the weird old rapper. That was not something that was ever done in 1995. And you took these two drastically different artists put them together, and made magic. Then you also had the remix of Always Be My Baby. This one wasn't as big of a stretch, but you had the Escape and the, the Brat doing their thing to kind of counter the the kind of original poppy version of it. It just put that so many That was a really good remix, on by the way. Oh, it's, it's one of my favorites. I have a, re- a remix countdown somewhere on Soul and Stereo, and that one's ranks there, too. And... It's so great because you took a song that wasn't even really changed that much. You just changed the beat, changed the backdrop, threw some different vocalists on it, and it became a whole new life. So you have the pop audience hooked, and now you've dragged in the R&B audience, I mean, and the um, rap audience to mix this R&B with it. Man, this album historically really was a game changer. She really, really, really set hip-hop and R&B on this marriage. In 1995. Yep, and you can't forget about Long Ago, which is, I think, the epitome of that marriage right there. Oh, yes, another banger. Because 
we were here in the album that we will kind of talk about being number one coming up very soon. There are songs there that kind of borrow hip hop beats, and that song was one that did that. And it's a, a, a voice as pure and great as Mariah rapping over these grungy like R and B beats. These uh, it sounds like it shouldn't work, but it works so perfectly. Mm-hmm. And at number one, you know, I think you had posted or you had asked everyone on Facebook, and you know, this is what it came down to: Daydream and butterfly and you actually have butterfly as number one which i'm still undecided on i mean i love this album as well i think you know it was probably her it was, I, rem- I remember that era too when the honey music video came out and just how big it was mm-hmm. but you have it at not you have it as number one i do and i will say that honey is another one of those songs where i'm kind of tired of not it hasn't gotten a new too close level of annoyances but I'm kind of tired of that one, too. However, again, just another album from beginning to end that's just so airtight. I find I really struggle to find, like, a flaw in it. And, again, like, Honey isn't my favorite. And there was there's another song there that I thought was kind of in. And those kind of keep it from being five stars. Was it Outside, maybe? I can't remember. But I think a couple things kind of, like, put a little chink in the armor but overall i think this is mariah's most consistent tight album it has some of the best songs that we love that you think are singles that weren't even really singles people think baby doll was a single not really people think that um fourth of july was a single Uh uh-uh not that i remember but the songs still Mm -hmm. are so strong and stood out on their own that they turned that album into something iconic in 97 to me, she has not been able to beat Butterfly. Mm-hmm. And to me, and I'm just putting it out there, Breakdown with Bone Thugs, that, you know, and I know Mariah's had like 18 number one hits, but that has to be in the top five. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, again, another weird marriage. Who would ever think Bone Thugs and Mariah would be able to put out a collaboration that seamless? You didn't. But it worked so well in 97. Again, like now, you wouldn't think anything of like Bone Thugs singing alongside any R&B artist because we're used to that. But Mariah really was a trendsetter and groundbreaker in combining a pure pop R&B sound with a gritty rap sound and somehow making it work. She was singing over a Mob mm-hmm. Deep beat for goodness. Like on, on the roof, that's a Mob Deep. That, the beats don't get any grimier than that. But she smoothed it out nope. perfectly. Exactly. So there you have it. The Mariah Carey discography ranked from worst to best. We have number one, Butterfly. Now, before I interrupted you, after you interrupted me, because I interrupted you, we needed, to, <laughs> we, we needed to talk about the new edition biopic as well as the BBD album. Let's start out with the, the biopic here. Yeah. Because, you know, I've seen it all over my Twitter timeline. First of all, everyone loved it. And we've seen cases where biopics haven't gone too well, but apparently this one went really well. Well, it went really well for one good reason. They were involved in this. Like, this isn't the Mm. disaster with Wendy Williams where she's doing it against the family's wishes and can't even use any freaking Aaliyah songs. They were right there, step by step. They handpicked the artists who were in there and performed. 
and it was a great showcase of talent, and it introduced new addition to younger fans. I went to church today, and these kids in my youth group are talking about new addition and doing the dances, whereas before, they probably didn't know what a new addition was, but they can tell you about some trap soul, but they can tell you about new addition. Now they can, and they see, because, like, great talent, we can kind of turn up our noses and Hip-hop and R&B loves to do this, turn up their noses at quote-unquote older artists as being too old and out of style. But talent doesn't go out of style. And movies like this shows that these young dudes were doing it. They made classic songs, and you can see their influence in new artists. And that opened up their music to a whole new generation and got people so excited. And I was so glad to see people hyped about New Edition. Yep. Shout outs to the whole crew. I think they all did a great job. Luke they James did. was was a was a good Johnny Gill. He was fantastic because he is by far my favorite member, and glad to give him some shine. Yep. Now, now we now we go into the BBD album. Got features like SWV. I think you got Naughty by Nature producing a song. I think there's a couple of other features on there. What did you think of the album? I thought it was okay. I've had a lot of the stands kind of give me a hard time about this one for being, oh, you don't like anything. Ed hates everything. I didn't hate the album. I thought it was okay. Um, They had some very good songs on it. I really liked the Boys to Men song. I liked I'm Better a lot. I always liked Run. I thought Run was a solid single. It's weird it's been out as long as it's been, but I can understand waiting to delay the album until the movie's released. But I thought it was pretty okay. But, again, there were some songs that fell very flat and some songs that just didn't really hit the mark. And I think some people's excitement over New Edition and the film and nostalgia have kind of hyped people up a little bit more than they expected. If this album dropped last January, I don't think I would have stands being like, no, this album is great. You're disparaging their legacy. They'd be like, oh, that's okay album, which it is. It's a fine album, but not anything groundbreaking. And a fine cover of the Jay Holiday song, Incredible. That's <laughs> <laughs> so weird. I think that we probably were the only ones who caught that, but that was so weird. Yep. Yeah, I don't know why that happens or how that happens, but that's crazy. Uh, the next biopic we have coming up, well, there's there's two. There's a movie coming out new uh, next year featuring your favorite rapper, Tupac. Uh I'm sure this will be fantastic. Uh, I think that they have a lot of information to mine. I think that fans are going to love it. But anybody who knows me knows that I think Tupac is not only the most overrated rapper of all time, but probably the most overrated human being to ever set foot on this planet. The man is a rapper. He ain't genius. He's not Jesus. Calm down. How many classic albums does Tupac have? One. Fight me if you disagree. Me against, me against the world? Yep. That's okay. it. Okay, I'll give, I'll give you that one. That's it. Um, not the rest of them. Not the, not the one with him hanging, hanging on a cross? Now, I did like, because as, as I said before, to be an objective reviewer, you have to recognize, like, I don't like pop, and I think he's very overrated, but I can recognize his influence in hip-hop. And I will say Me yep. Against the World is a classic, but my favorite album is the Machiavelli album, which is the one where he's hanging on the cross. Yep, fair enough. 
Um, so there's that movie, and like you said, I know it's gonna be it's gonna be good. There's so much information out on Tupac that it's kind of hard to mess that one up. And yeah. you know, I don't think anyone's gonna make up anything, or else you know, there's so much information behind it you could just easily dispute it. But the one I'm looking forward to is the Jodeci yes. biopic that's about to come out. Now this that one, one I'm a little bit more good. hyped about than even the Tupac album. I'm really excited about this one. Yeah, there's there's just so much backstory from Jodeci to Casey and Jojo, to the whole Basement Crew, Timbaland, Missy, Genuine, the whole the whole thing. So, I'm hoping that Jodeci actually gets involved in this one because you know these things they're good for they're good for hip hop and R and B. Yeah, I mean not only that we've seen like we just talked about New Edition and how it revived and revitalized interest in their music. Like I think every artist from that decade is going to be clawing to get these movies out and done about their lives because not only does it help tell their story in a way that they hopefully can control, but it reminds younger fans that, hey, these dudes were doing it. And they're not old, dusty grandpas that can't put out music. Like, they are doing it. And then people who live through that era, like me, can be like, yeah, I remember this. This is when it was hot. So we run to iTunes and download everything all over again. It's a win-win for everybody. Unless you're Wendy Williams, exactly. you need to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, that seems to be all that's going on in music over the last couple of weeks, but there's a lot going on for food all the time, isn't there? Always. It would not be a soul in stereo. You know I got soul podcasts without a food discussion. Now, I got some interesting news for you, Ed. So, in Canada... We're actually going to be introducing all-day breakfast at McDonald's, which I know has been going on in the States for a while now, right? Y'all late, player. We've been on that. <laughs> has that worked out for you guys? Well, it's one of those things where you got excited about it, where you're like, I can get McGriddles any time of day. And then you get a McGriddle like any time of day, and you're like, eh, I got a McGriddle, and it was 3 p.m. That was something. Yeah, It's one of those things where you're hyped and then you get it and it's like, okay, I can live my life again, I guess. So if you're really aching for a McGriddle in the middle of the night, McDonald's got you. Yeah. So that's what's new that's going on. Uh, You know, I'll probably dibble and dabble into it from time to time. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the excitement with McDonald's breakfast for me has always been waking up early to go get it. But now that I can get it at any time, it's just like, it's not that exciting. No, well, these fast food audiences, I mean, restaurants are just catering to our laziness. So it's like, you're too lazy to get over here by 1030. We'll just make it available all the time, you bums. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know what Tom eats at McDonald's. So you just order like two bread. He's just like, give me two, just give me a bun, no meat in it, and a pack of ketchup. And don't even open the ketchup. Well, I will say this, though. Um, When I was in New York, I think it was last summer, I went with him to Dunkin' Donuts. And he ordered a bagel with butter, and then he proceeded to wipe off the butter. What? (laughs) That is the most Tom thing I've heard all day. Let me order a piece of bread with butter on it. Then wipe the butter off and eat the plain bread. (laughs) No, that's exactly what he did. (laughs) And I'm just like, I guess. (laughs) Oh, that guy. Boy, I need to put some excitement in his life and just, like, put some jelly on that bread. He wouldn't know how to, like, 
Yep. <laughs> Man, do you think you could ever go on a vegan diet, Ed? No. <laughs> I have enough confidence to clearly and very strongly say no. Here's my thinking, right? So, I do believe I could probably do it for about three days. And then I will get bored of eating grass. Yeah, exactly. And, but, well, and I will the say next... this. I will say this. I, for January, I was on a Whole30 diet. And it sucked, but I survived. I mean, it wasn't bad as going vegan. Like, I probably couldn't do that at all. But What were, it's what were you eating? Well, it's strange. You can eat a lot of stuff, but then, like, you can't have anything with sugar in it. So there are oh. lots of things where... You don't expect to have sugar in it, so you have to make the whole 30 version. So instead of, like, my wife would make meatballs, but she has to, like, use this weird flour because you can't use the regular flour. And so the consistency of stuff is weird, but it tasted okay. So that one wasn't okay. too hard. But it's it's like when you when you tell your body you can't have something, then you suddenly want it. No, So if you 100%. get over there, you'll be all right. I'm still but trying to figure out a way to control. I'm still trying to figure out a way to control my sugar craving. That's been a problem. I well, like, d- don't go on whole thirty because you will eat your arm off in the first week. Because I was like punching walls and crap like four days in. Because a brother had asked some sour patch kids and it wasn't working out. No, and and that's the thing. Like I've already like decided that I'm not gonna buy chips. And bring them home anymore because you know how it is. You buy a buy you buy a bag of chips. You open it up, and before you know it, it's all, it's all going. There is no so, way you cannot humanly possibly eat, like, two chips. Like, you're going to have to eat no, you can't. the half the bag. Exactly. So I just said, you know what? I'm not going to bring them home anymore. I'll, nope, when I want them, I'll just buy them, but just don't bring them home. That's um, exactly what we do. Like, just keep that out of the house, and you'll be good. But, of course, I'm saying that as I literally eat lemon heads right now. So I am not the No, but can't, can't, candy, is, candy is the thing I can't, I can't control, like. I don't think I could ever give up candy. It's too good. No, there are three things I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up my candy. I'm not giving up my giant frame Biggie poster that's in my office. And I'm not giving up my collection of Key Sweat albums. Like, that is what's going to go into my casket when y'all lower me into the ground. Seen a lot of people uh, giving up soda recently, which is actually really good for you. As it, yes, because... Yeah. I had gotten pretty addicted to soda, but this whole 30 thing kind of got me off of it. And I really didn't miss it. And I noticed a big change when I stopped sucking those sodas down. So, yeah, those things are loaded with sugar. But they taste so good. What, yeah? <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite soda, Ed? I like, and I wish Tom was here so he could throw up. But there is Fanta makes this pineapple soda. Off the chain. Mm. That is the best. Yep. Yeah, I think we talked about this a while ago. Uh, you know what? I, I, you know, I, I know we got to get out of here because I think we're over the hour mark. But I remember once upon a time, Sprite came out with a new flavor. It was like Sprite Mint. And oh, Sprite Mint? I remember having that. Yeah, it was like a mint-flavored Sprite. And I remember liking it as a kid. But in retrospect, looking back at it now, like, what the hell was I thinking? It sounds like like fizzy mouthwash. Y'all drank that? Maybe no. that's a Canadian thing. I do not remember that here. A citrusy, minty mouthwash. 
fizzy at all. I don't to drink that. I just want to like switch it around in my mouth and spit it out. But if you say it was good, right. have fun, play. <laughs> yep. Um, but anyway, Ed, what, you know, we don't want to keep everyone waiting too long as we just talk about this food stuff. So what's going <laughs> on with SoInStereo.com? <laughs> well, it's been so long since I've stopped by the podcast. Y'all got a lot to catch up on. As we talked about earlier, if you want to revisit the Mariah album discography, we've got that all listed. Go back and see where your favorite album ranked. I've got a ton of reviews up from Belle Biv DeVoe, The Locks, um, Sid of the Internet, the Lupe Fiasco new album, as I just talked about. We've got that one popping. I also have some reviews of some new singles, like Mariah's single that we discussed, Missy Elliott's that we discussed, and a few more. And I haven't done a Love Letters column in a long time, so I might get that popping this week. Oh, and plus, if you're hearing this, um, I assume we're going to hear this on Monday. That means the Grammys would have already aired. So my annual 20-question rundown of the Grammys will be up. And you can expect me to be all types of bitter and angry about that. So get used to grouchy head because I'm going to go in on these Grammys. For sure. And let's hope Maya wins. <laughs> Maya's uncle my got her Maya. nominated and going to get that, that statue in her hand. Yo, we're having a Twitter party if Maya, if Maya wins. If Maya wins, that needs to be a hashtag if Maya wins. Because what is going on in 2017 that Maya gets nominated? And shout out to Maya because the album wasn't bad. But that's the most random nomination I have ever seen. Yep. So, good luck, Maya. And uh, to all the listeners, I appreciate you guys for listening to us as we banter about nonsense. Uh, hopefully we get Ed and Tom back in here next week and we'll give you guys that reel. But until next time, Ed, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll chat again soon. All right. We'll do it, player. Peace.